What's up, guys? It is Cody Wynn, and this is the Faith Growth Podcast. And today's topic is going to be on freedom. What is freedom in Christ? Um, how does it apply to my life? How do I get it? All of that fun stuff we're going to cover today. So let's jump right into it. So there's a few different meanings uh, in reference to freedom in Christ that we see throughout Scripture. Um, so we're going to cover some of those things uh, Actually, we're going to try to cover all of them, at least in the New Testament portion of the Bible in this podcast. There's a lot, a whole lot that we can go over in regards to what freedom in Christ is. I could quote um, about a million different verses on the topic, but to save us um, some time, I'm not going to do that. The word freedom that is used in Greek, uh, which is what your New Testament is written in, Greek and Aramaic, the word, uh, the word freedom there literally means liberty. Liberty or, or license, like a, like a, a legitimate, uh, chiefly moral or ceremonial liberty. That's literally what the definition of, of freedom is, um, which is, which is kind of interesting. I, I think that that's probably what most of us think of when we think of the word freedom, even in our language. And if you don't know, the word liberty means that, like the state of being free with society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. That's what um, the Webster Marion dictionary, dictionary definition, excuse me, is of that word. So the first, I think the first wall that we hit in regards to this freedom thing is you think, okay, Cody, I just gave my life to Jesus or I'm considering giving my life to Jesus or I've been a Christian for a long time and I don't feel very free, right? Like, like matter of fact, I feel like the complete opposite of freedom. Actually, if anything, I feel in bondage. Because I'm not allowed to do all this fun stuff, right? I can't have sex with my girlfriend. I can't watch porn every night. I can't get drunk. I can't do drugs when I want to. I can't use the language that I want to. So if anything, Christianity is actually not freedom, but it's bondage, right? Uh, Well, I I understand what people mean when they say this, but it couldn't be further from the truth. It couldn't be further from the case. And the reason for that is... What is freedom, right? We live in, in, in America, and America is considered like the most free country on the planet, right? Um, we, have, we have all these freedoms, right? We have this freedom of speech. We have fr- freedom of religion. Um, we have freedom to own guns. I'm not getting political. I'm just mentioning a fact. Um, so, so with that being said, though, if you really think about it, if you really break down freedom in that sense, well, you'd go, well, Cody, we're actually not that free because you're not allowed to do a lot of things in America. I can't just drive 150 miles per hour on the highway if I want to. Um, I can't just not wear my seatbelt if I'm in the front seat of my car if I don't want to. I can't just not get tags for my car if I don't want to. I can't just drive without headlights on if I don't want to. I can't just murder people if I don't want to or if I want to. I can't, uh, I can't rape people. I can't steal from people, right? Um, I I, there, there's tons of things. I could go on and on on things that I can't do. But, but let me ask you, when's the last time that you felt in bondage, that you felt like you weren't free because America wouldn't let you rape people? Well, you probably go, well, Cody, it's, it actually helps with our freedom. It actually makes us more free because that regulation actually allows all of us to live in a more safe, comfortable, and free environment. Some of you probably know where I'm going with this already. In the same way, when Christianity says you can't do certain things. It's not saying it because it wants to be a bummer, wants you to not have a fun time. There are spiritual as well as literal implications to all of the things that God says to and not to do. And this is one of the fundamental misunderstandings that I see from people 
when discussing scripture with them uh, is if somebody tells me that when they see their walk with Christ that they see a uh, bunch of rules, a bunch of boring rules, and it shows me that they know very, very, very little about the gospel that they gave themselves to. Christianity is not a rule book. The Bible is not a book of rules. It is not a do this and don't do that, and then God will be happy with you. Uh, it's a very, very, very twisted understanding of Scripture. Matter of fact, it's so twisted that text is the complete opposite. Scripture is, is, is actually telling you that, that you can't keep the rules. As hard as you try, you can't keep the rules. God's got a rule book called the Ten Commandments that he's going to judge us all by one day. And he's going to ask if you've ever lied, have you ever stolen, have you ever looked upon somebody with lust? Because that's adultery. Hatred is murder. Um, if you've used God's name in vain, then you deserve eternity apart from him. And you're going, well, Cody, see, you just proved it right there. These are a bunch of rules that you can't live by. Like, like God's just telling you to do a bunch of stuff and you can't do it. Well, scripture says that the law was given to show our sin is exceedingly sinful in Romans 7. So, so it was telling you that you can't actually even live up to this standard. And then Jesus really has to press the point in in Matthew 5 even harder when he comes on the scene. Because even though there were 10 commandments and 613 laws, the Jews had to live by perfectly or they uh, were, were not, were not going to be saved. At least so they thought. Um, they still would try to make justifications around it and say, oh, well, well you know. I can still do this. Like, like for instance, lust was never mentioned in the old covenant. The 613 laws, lust is never mentioned, but adultery is. So people would just say, hey, I'm just going to have um, maybe, you know, sex with this girl in my mind, or I'm just going to maybe masturbate or something, and then I'm, I'm okay because it's not technically sin because I didn't actually break that law. Well, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, you've heard of the prophets of old, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. Oh, so wait, wait, wait. So I thought that I wasn't, I, I, I thought that it was about adultery. Well, it is about adultery, but it's about where your heart is. God says, I see your heart and your heart it has the intention to, to sleep with her anyways. So it's the exact same thing in God's eyes. Your heart desiring sin is the same as you sinning and doing the actual act because God knows that if you had the chance to do it and you wouldn't get any sort of negative repercussions for it, you do it in a heartbeat, which is really unfortunate. Uh, for us uh, because Jesus uses this law to show us that there's no way we can live up to it. There is zero hope for you living up to the law. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's bad news for us, right? Okay, this isn't sounding fun so far, right? Well, that doesn't sound like freedom whatsoever, and it's not. It's not. That's actually bondage. That's condemnation. It's death, right? The wages of sin is death is what it says later in Romans. So, so what's, what's the catch, right? Where does this ever get better? Yeah, it gets better. It gets better. The good news is this, that while you were yet a sinner, Romans 5, 8, God showed his love for you in this, that he sent his son to die for you. That's where the whole John three sixteen thing comes in. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Right? Now that's good news. That though you were a sinner and dead in your sins, God said, hey, I want to send my son down. Jesus knowingly lived the perfect life that you couldn't live, died the death that you deserved to die, and rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave, so that if you would repent and put your faith in him, that you could be saved from the hell that you have oh so deserved yourself, as have I. Probably way worse than any of you. That's really good news, to know that my repentance and faith actually frees me 
from the sin that I was living in. It frees me from the hell that I was going to. That's where this freedom thing comes in. We're free. This is one of the, the portions of freedom I was referencing earlier is we are free from going to hell. Scripture says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, John 8, 36. And John 8, 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will make you free. You'll be set free from the bondage of sin and the hell that you deserved because of the freedom found in Christ, right? Galatians 5, 13, for you have been called to be free, brethren, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another in love. Galatians talks actually a whole lot about this whole freedom topic. Romans 8, starting in the first chapter, says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no bondage for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done, with, uh, done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man or sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin to death in order that righteousness uh, requirement of the law might be filled, fulfilled in us who walk not in accordance to the flesh, but in accordance to the spirit. So one of the freedoms here is that we're freed from the hell that we deserve. So when you're born again, when you repent and put your faith in Christ, you're free from hell. Death, hell, and the grave you have been freed from. But with that being said, now we have this freedom, right? Well, this freedom is now us being free from sin as well. So yes, we've been freed from hell, but now we're free from trying to be justified by the old covenant law. We don't have to try to justify ourselves from that. But now we are free to live by the spirit, as it says right there in Romans 8, 4. Eight, yeah, 8, 4. Um, now you have freedom to not have to live under this bondage of the old covenant. That's what that reference of bondage is too, is the bondage of sin, death, the old covenant, living a life that is impossible for us to live, right? First Peter 2, 16 says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as a servant of God. This is very similar to Galatians 5.13 again that says, you've been called to be free, brethren. Don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another in love. Right? We have been freed from ourselves. Galatians 2.20, you guys hear me quote it all the time, says, for I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in God. So, so, Again, we, we have been freed from ourselves is really what we've been freed from. We've been freed from the flesh. The flesh is the sinful, wicked desires of our heart that desire to do everything contrary to the spirit. The spirit is the will of God, the desire of God. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is what lives inside of us who are born again so that we can now live in accordance to the word of God. We've been, we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. I've been freed from trying to live for myself, living as myself, but now I get to live as Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, For um, I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, and all things have been made new. I'm a brand new creation in Christ. Brand new creation. That, is, that right there is good news. That's really good news. <laughs> so I've been freed from that, and I've been freed again, Galatians 13. Don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. So don't use your freedom to indulge in bondage again, which is living in sin, but rather serve one another in love. Don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Don't say, because I'm free from sin, now that I've been freed from hell, now let me live in sin again. How much sense does that make? Scripture talks all throughout Romans about how that's not how that's going to work. If you think that you're going to get away with that on Judgment Day, you're greatly deceived. 
but rather you've been freed from yourself so that you can serve one another in love, right? That, that verse that I mentioned earlier um, in First Peter 2.16 says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Well, well what does is, what is you being free from sin have to do with serving God? Well, first off, if you're not serving others and if you're not putting others above yourself, then you are living in sin. But because you being free is you being love. If you're free, you are love. Why? Because love tells us in the greatest command that Jesus gives that our greatest command is to love God and love people. If you love your neighbor as yourself, then you're living in freedom because you're living in obedience to the spirit of God, which dwells inside of you. And again, Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation. There's no bondage for those who live in Christ. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no bondage. Bondage is the opposite of freedom, of course. So we're going to read a, a larger portion of scripture here uh, in Galatians 5. This is one of my favorite, favorite portions of the entire Bible. It says, it was by freedom, we're starting in verse 1, by the way. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not subject yourself again to the yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery mentioned there is in reference to living by the old covenant. Um, being, being in condemnation, preaching to people that they are justified by works of the law, so on and so forth. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to the entire law. You who have been, you, you have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law, for you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. So he's making a case to say, you who are Jewish by descent, who keep preaching to people that you have to live um, by the old covenant law, which he was referencing as circumcision there. He's saying Christ is of no benefit to you, that Christ died needlessly if you think that your salvation is found in justification through the law. But he's saying it's not. And the reason we know it's not, again, is because if you can't live by it perfectly, then you fail, then you go to hell in regards to trying to live by the law. And again, that's what we all deserve. We all deserve hell because we can't live up to the law. So he's saying that Christ would have died needlessly if the purpose was to be justified by workings of the law. Specifically, in this case, they would boast about their circumcision. But, I mean, replace any sort of work in that place. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you, as in God. A little leaven leavens a whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you and in the Lord that you will adopt no other view but the one who is disturbing you would bear his own judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who, would trouble themse- or who are troubling um, would even mutilate themselves. It's a pretty heavy term. He's saying that he wishes they'd just done, do away with everything if they're going to preach circumcision. It's- very harsh statement, but it's an accurate one. Then he says, for you have been called to be free brethren. This is the one we just read, Galatians 5.13. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another in love. We're supposed to be loving one another, serving, taking care of one another, sacrificing for one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in this one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. He's saying, if you guys are constantly at each other's throat and you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, 
and you're not serving one another in love, he's like, expect for things to not go well for you. He's like, it's going to be rough for you guys because, you, again, you're not living in freedom. You're living in bondage. This bondage of being hypercritical, always attacking each other and stuff like that, that's bondage. That's not freedom. You're actually condemned. You're, you're, you're trying to make somebody feel condemned even though they're not condemned in Christ. You're trying to make them feel like they're guilty when they're actually not guilty. But I say... On the flip side of all that, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these things are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things in which you please. So he's making a case to say that I understand that things that you please are those things which are living by the flesh. But he's saying you cannot have the spirit of God in you and live by the flesh. You choose one or the other. But if you are led by the spirit, then you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, enmities, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, for which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's saying, if you carry out the desires of your flesh, the things that you want to do, your sinful nature, that you don't go to heaven, period. So even though you are technically free in regards to having the ability to do those things, you're actually putting yourself in bondage because you're going to send yourself to eternity apart from Christ. And that is the ultimate slavery. That's the ultimate bondage that you could be in. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Against such there is no bondage. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us, become, let us not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. And then I want to make a point that in the very next verse says, Brethren, restore your brother gently. Restore your brother gently is what it says right after all of that. So he's saying that, hey, if, if your brother is doing these things, you know, even though you should be quarreling, fighting, arguing, all this stuff, still, if, you, like, if your brother's living in sin and he's caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a brother gently with a, a spirit of gentleness. But make sure that you're not tempted yourself. So what does it look like to be free in Christ? Freedom in Christ looks like obedience to Christ. It looks like you giving up the way that you're living and understanding that you living for God is the most free place you can ever be. Being in the will of God is the most free place you can ever be. Does it mean that you can and can't do certain things? Yeah, sure. But in the same way that if, if, if you were with your girlfriend right now or your boyfriend, right, would you wake up every day and go, oh my gosh, am I not allowed to cheat on her again? Are, are we not allowed? Uh, that's ridiculous. So, so I'm, not, I'm not allowed to go and, and, and send nudes to other girls. Like, really? I'm not allowed to do that? No, come on. Like that, that never even crosses your mind. Those things. I mean, sure. Yeah. You might have the, the, um, the enticement to do that every once in a while. You might, you, the thought might cross your mind, but you're not angry and pouting every day going, what man, why aren't I just single? Like, I wish I was just single so that I like could like sleep with other people. But like my girlfriend said, I can't sleep around. Like, come on. That sounds silly, right? Well, in the same way, when we're in a relationship with Christ, it should feel like that exact same thing. Like, we, we shouldn't feel like this whole, like, oh, I'm not allowed to do this. Your love for your girlfriend will make you have no desire for any other woman. Your love for that person will take away your desire for any other person. In the same way, your desire for Christ, your love for Christ will take away your desire to sleep with anything of this world, 
to be around anything of this world. It will be completely gone because your love for him is all that matters. So what is freedom? Well, freedom is love. And perfect love casts out all fear and you have been loved perfectly by the God who you have hopefully given your life to. So you are perfectly free and you've been commanded to do two things. Love God back and love your neighbor as yourself. If you're doing those two things, you're very free. You've been called to be freedom. You've been called to be free, brethren. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another in love. You want to know what it looks like to actually be free? Be radically selfless. Be radically in love with Jesus and you'll never taste such freedom ever in your life. That's it for this one, guys. Thank you so much for staying with us. It's a pleasure as always. If you guys got any questions, again, feel free to reach out. Follow me on Instagram if you're not already at Cody C. Wynn, W-I-N-N. That's how you spell my last name, Cody C. Wynn. And as always, please rate it, guys. I'd love a rating for this and, and leaving a little comment on, on if you enjoyed it or if you hated it and just let me know either way. But uh, it's much appreciated. It helps for the podcast algorithms and how all that fun stuff works. So as always, if I'm not here, I am posting on my YouTube channel um, on the days that I'm not making these podcasts. So please go and check that out as well. And I think you guys will be really, really blessed by it. Thank you. And uh, always you know, share this stuff if you guys are enjoying it. Share with your friends because if it helped you, guarantee it's going to help them too. God bless you guys.